now on the Lakeshore Records podcast. Two guests I am so incredibly thrilled to be talking to because, like you, dear listener, I've been going apeshit over the score for the TV show Stranger Things. So welcome to the Lakeshore Records podcast now, Kyle Dixon and Michael Stein. Hello. 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 How are you guys? <laughs> Doing well. <laughs> Doing good, good. <laughs> the pregnant pause there is because you guys, you you haven't had a chance to catch your breath because uh, you guys literally, every day I'm reading a new article or there is something. Have you actually been able to take like a five second break since, you know, kind no. of the, the score? <laughs> no, not really. We had five seconds between this call and our last interview. And, and is there going to be another one after this? Uh, there's, there, yeah. A few more. Things. Not, not directly afterwards. We have a couple of errands to run, but we still have another meeting. And then, and then I think two more interviews later today. So yeah, it's just. Let's make some music. Yeah. So I'm really <laughs> looking forward to playing music again. I'm sure you're looking forward to doing anything again other than talking to music journalists. <laughs> but uh, look, it's, it's pleasant, all part. But, but yeah, yeah. I mean, how? Like jumping right in, how has it been for you guys? Because did you kind of have any idea when you were making, you know, the score for Stranger Things that it was going to kind of explode the way it has? I don't think anyone expected it to ex- do as well as it's done. I mean. Obviously, we knew it was going to be a fairly large and widely seen project, but I don't think anyone expected it to become, you know, the the, the hit show of the summer or whatever. Self-proclaimed <laughs> like a cult classic that. Yeah, well, no, I mean, I'm sure, I mean, people are already referring to it as, you know, oh, this is going to be a classic TV show, and it's like, guys, it's it's been out for a month, maybe we should, we, we should, we should hang fire, but, you know, <laughs> as a testament to the, uh, the, how can I word this without, without coming off too fanboy, as a testament to how great the score is, the other day, I took my wife and her grandmother out for the day, and I was kind of thinking, what am I going to play in the car? Because I can't play, you know, I'm normally like a Norwegian black metal guy or, you know, some old Pantera. But, you know, I thought, you know, I'm going to stick on Stranger Things and see if I get away with it. Uh, And lo and behold, like the grandmother pokes her head over and goes, what is this? I really like this. (laughs) So it's one of those things where I've spoken to a lot of people about this score you know as my in my role as being the host of this show i also host another podcast that's dedicated to soundtrack music and we've done nothing but talk about this for a while now it's been the most universally accepted soundtrack i think i've ever spoken about in the history of soundtracks i mean how does that make you guys feel when so when people say things like that to me i just don't know how to feel i've heard similar sentences and it just doesn't really doesn't doesn't sink in right yeah i guess there's a little bit of something for everyone i just wouldn't expect everyone to be okay with what all of that stuff is on there to what to get to get through it unless i i don't know if people are making like their own private playlists and things out of all 80 tracks and listening to it in that form or if people are just really ingesting the entire thing through all of its ups and downs light-hearted moments and 
scary ass moments. Yeah, I mean, and then there are. That's pretty much a perfect, like you know, definition of the soundtrack because there there is very much some light hearted kind of really upbeat stuff, and there is some really dark shit on there. I like you know being being a fan of kind of like I'm more, I, I prefer you know like droney stuff. And right. there was some stuff on there that I'm thinking, Jesus Christ, did like Sono write this? Because this is some intense stuff. And I think on volume two, there uh, there seems to be a definite divide between volume one and volume two. Was that kind of a goal that you guys had in mind when you were dividing the tracks for the release? Sort of, a, a little it was bit. like 80 20 kind of thing. Yeah. Like we, it, we wanted volume one to be like, kind of almost episodes one through four 80 percent of that like and lighthearted in a way that it had a certain way that it flowed but then you got an you know introduction to what might be coming next and uh mm. volume two we really tried to have like 80 percent of that more of that the the other side kind of the darker weirder stuff um and we, it, yeah, it kind of follows the progression of the show Loosely, I mean, because as the show gets goes on, it gets darker and weirder. And we didn't want to lose all the light, like lighthearted stuff off of volume two. We wanted to keep some of that in there too. So no, absolutely. I mean, there's there's with the amount, like you say, there's eighty tracks. I mean, there is so much diversity from you know track one to track eighty. I mean, I've been listening heavily to volume two. Uh, probably about a week now because I I I don't want to say I rinsed volume one, but I did get threatened that if if my wife heard the Stranger Things theme one more time, there would be hell to pay. So, <laughs> all right, I'm, I'm just gonna I'm gonna listen to volume two now, and there are there's two tracks on volume two, Over and Tribulation. Man, I've just had those things on repeat. They're incredible, incredible tracks. Eighty tracks. How do you how do you approach a task like that? Um, I put them in Logic and started sequencing them around and just shuffling them around until it found like the like a flow. And um, under the time constraints, which they wanted the score delivered, and some of those tracks needed to be reworked a little bit just to fit in the flow of things. It was pretty crazy. Yeah, I mean, I guess I guess the way that we started. Because we knew there was going to be a vinyl release, so we we know that there can only be minute sides. That there's 18 minute sides, so we just kind of did a little rough math and started putting <laughs> things in there so that kind of almost equals. First, we picked the songs we liked. Right, about 85, and then about 70 something of them made it. That's incredible. I mean, it's. When like work because it's a because it is a TV show and it's episodic and 
part of the role of the score is to help the story move along and that's what part of the the appeal of stranger things is for me is the music really does match up what's happening on the screen were you able to watch the series before you were creating the score or were you kind of given a brief as to this is what we need in this scene go do what you, is that you do it was a combination of both of those things i mean early on before we had any footage we would have to do some guesswork or cover some general moods. Um, and then other times we would get a tip off that says, hey, you know, the last episode's going to be really dark. We're going to need a lot of dark stuff. More momentum. Yeah. Driving, pacing stuff. So. Or, and then, and then the rest of, you know, most of it was us working to the, to the actual picture. But some of those, a lot, a lot, a lot of times those ideas that we would do that would be more general would would work they would just they would just need to be tailored to the scenes or or just sometimes they didn't work and we would just have to write new stuff so <laughs> yeah we we said goodbye to a lot of great stuff or it was cool it just didn't fit uh you don't really know how it fits until you see it yeah i mean was there a case of you had you'd written something for one scene it didn't work but you kind of kept it and then later on you're like ah oh, you know maybe this will fit here and it was a case of just moving some tracks around that definitely that definitely happened i mean that's i mean when you're creating that amount of music it's 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 got to happen right it just it just has to happen i mean how was this when you're creating the score for the show was this concurrent with making the new survive album as well no the survive album was finished before we started working on this on the show it was well it was well done before this idea even came up, so. Right, right, right. I mean, have you seen kind of like a, a spike in people that are visiting the band camp now? And, and, you know, I know that it's virtually impossible now to find a copy of your first album on vinyl. I know there's been kind of like a, a sudden, like everyone has latched on to, uh, to the band. Is, you know, is that kind of, how is that for you guys? It's great. <laughs> Uh, it's it's weird, like the the week that the show came out. This this wasn't an official chart that or a public chart, but we but we received word from Billboard that our 2012 album was charting at number 15 on the electronic charts, which is we're like what the unprecedented, you know, it's an album that's four years old instrumental instrumental dark synth music is on the billboard chart what's going on here is this right yeah that's like you checked it's just a typo you sure you have the and then yeah i mean i think i first heard of you uh i first heard the band in the movie the guest uh, i think it was the track hourglass actually right. there's two tracks on the guest soundtrack uh, from you guys so i've been listening to you for a little while now and then when i didn't i'm um, full disclosure i didn't know your names so when i was reading about stranger things i was like oh i'll have to speak to those guys or you know I, i'd love to you know know how they went about creating that and then someone was like yeah it's the, it's the two of the guys from survive and i'm like what the guys <laughs> from survive and yeah. they're like yeah, yeah it's those guys i was like ah now that makes perfect sense to me because there are there are elements on your first record of which what's what's with the naming of your records 
<laughs> it's just the catalog number of of the release for whatever label puts it out there. You know, there's a catalog number that follows, and yeah. we just so R R seven three four nine is relapse records. records. R R the first thing we ever did was Light Lodge. So it's L L R O. We've got a living tape LT. We've got holodeck hd mannequin mmq so that's why i found like four or five different titles for the album and i was like shit which one of them is it it's gotta be one of them it's they're all the same it's all just same. different it's just different labels to put it out that's really cool i mean what's it like being signed to relapse now because that's a label i mean they do they do have some electronic music and some electronic artists but it's primarily known as kind of very heavy heavy metal or noise core whatever you want to call it right yeah um so far it's been good i think they're pleased with with the way the album's doing um and we're happy to be working with them it's it's an opportunity for us to get in front of a different audience that i don't think we would otherwise find and then some of those people are, are going to like the music, so. Right. And we felt comfortable being label mates with Zombie, who we had recently kind of became friends with, and we could talk to, uh, like, how do you like the label? Because um, Steve Moore did the score to the guest, and we kind of got a, had a small relationship started with him by the time we signed. We could talk to him about it. And we got to meet Tony whenever we were in Philadelphia, or... Pittsburgh last time, and he's a nice guy. So, oh no, I mean it's great. I mean, are you guys now? Is Survive going to go out on the road? Because I did read somewhere that you will be performing the Stranger Things score in Poland, of all places. <laughs> yeah, um, Survive is going on the road in October. We're going up the West Coast and back down, and then Michael and I are going to Poland in between, in the middle of of October to go play Unsound and we're going to play some of the stuff from from the soundtrack and then we come back and do the East Coast with Survive as a full band. Awesome. Awesome. What's the um do you guys I mean were you fans of film music or television music growing up or is this kind of um a, a new field for you? Yes and no. Um hmm. It's weird because when you say that, say yes. I have to say yes, but at the same time, when you're watching a movie, aware. you yeah, you're, when you're watching a movie, you you don't really you're not supposed to hear the music. You're just supposed to feel a certain way. But then sometimes you'll a piece of music will stick out, and you'll be like, "That's that's cool." And then maybe at some point you start paying more attention to it whenever you become more interested in doing that type of work. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of great soundtracks that we like, particularly older ones. I w I would say that that we definitely take as influences. I think I started hearing, you know, obviously the whole Giallo with Goblin and all that, and start appreciating scores that were more like rock records that you would buy as almost they were an album. Um. I don't know where I'm going with that, but... 
No, I mean, I can play, I get what you mean. I mean, I'm a huge, I'm a huge, huge uh, Jello fan um, of, of all soundtracks, not just like Goblin, but there are other records from that genre that you just put them on and you think, how is this the score for a horror movie? Because it's, you know, some kind of like amazing classical music or some like really dirty funk. And you just, it, it kind of, there's sometimes there's a disconnect between the images on the screen and the music from it. And it's kind of, well, this just works as a standalone record. And I think it's one of the things about Stranger Things is that they really work as standalone pieces. Yeah, they're great with the, with, with the images. They're fantastic. But there's, you know, they're great songs. Yeah. They're really, really great songs. Was that, you know, something that you wanted to make sure happened when you were creating the score? It's something that could be listened to away from the show and enjoyed. Well, we certainly didn't set out to make anything that we didn't like. <laughs> that wasn't. I think I'll make a song that I don't like today. <laughs> no. um, eh, I mean, first and foremost, we were just trying to make the score. But sometimes, when you're trying to come up with a new idea, you, you will do it away from picture or away from from any footage, just so you can focus a little more and not worry about making things hit on. I was worried that, uh, you know, it was done on such a scene-by-scene basis, um, trying to cover so many, a diversity of moods that I was worried of how it would flow together when I, all those songs got put, to, um, put together. Instead of, like, a long-form traditional score or, like, a long ambient, like, score like Kronos or, like, something cool that's, you know, like this long-form piece of music that just encompasses the whole entire film like as a symphony kind of piece, but that was one of my only concerns. And then I'm just glad it did work, work to uh, have the continuity to work, or the, the sonic stamp or mood on it that people are uh, digesting it as a, as a score. Yeah, I mean, people are just enjoying it full stop. I mean, I've seen it from working at Lakeshore and just also outside of that. People are just going bananas for this. I mean, it was number one on iTunes. I mean, that's like, that's huge. That's not only like like just huge for a soundtrack, but for a soundtrack with no songs or no lyrics or sort of no um, singing, you know. There's no, no. <laughs> There's no music on this record. <laughs> it's just a silent album for two and a half hours. Yeah, it's, um, it's a bizarre. That's another one of those sentences that I read that headline. Don't it was like uh, m- m- uh, music score to tops charts with zero pop songs or no lyrics. Yeah. I was like, and then I thought, and I was reflecting on that, and I was like, oh yeah, that is weird. That is really weird. like a, mo- a moment historic yeah. moment and it's it's hard to that hasn't sunk in any of what any of that means the success of stranger things i mean i actually spoke to um aaron and bryce desner earlier on today two guys from the national and they it's amazing how many times stranger things has cropped up in the last kind of month of me recording podcasts with different artists or um you know, uh, screenwriters or something. It literally is something that has captured everyone's imagination. Everyone has flipped out for this show. And one of the things I get is, well, you know, it's a retro show, but it's not because it's not tongue in cheek. It's done with genuine love. 
is that something that you kind of you got from the Duffer Brothers when they approached you about doing the show? Definitely. I mean, and that was one of the things that drew us to it is that we could tell they were wanting to make something that was not not just a kitschy throwback '80s thing, and more of just a good piece of work. Yeah, because that does exist. There's been a lot of nostalgic retro kind of things being made. No, I completely agree. I mean, if I have to listen to another retro Horace like synth score before <laughs> before too long, I will scream because there are just too freaking many of them. <laughs> it's one of those things though where you've made kind of you've made a score or you've created a score that is very familiar and yet completely brand new at the same time. And I think that's a testament to the I think it shows how much passion you guys put into what you do not just as a band but as musicians was there any kind of guidelines that you had to follow um yes and no that's a hard one the idea was to make it exactly what you said which is uh tasteful and some form of a nostalgic retro but with the modern kind of approach to it or edge to it which they reached out initially because that's what they they feel like they were hearing in our music in the first mm -hmm. place. Um, so for us, it was just, you know, do the best job we can at giving them what their film needs and keeping it within our taste as well. Cause we're pretty hard on ourselves about if we want, if we would listen to it then you know, we wouldn't want to give them something that we wouldn't like. Did you guys have any influences? Um, people you were listening to, soundtracks maybe you were listening to while you were uh, creating the score? Mm. Not I mean... It's always listening to music when I have time, but no nothing to directly pull any influences from. I mean, once we, once we got the, the offer or the gig, you know, we needed to do our research on scoring a little bit, so we would watch movies and pay more attention to how right. certain composers would handle certain scenes and less less for stylistic mm. reasons and more just to see techniques that people would use to kind of carry a scene in whatever direction. Um, so in in that respect it's more like research and less like inspiration. Yeah. If that makes any sense. Right, like maybe you'd see a, a TV show or a movie and see how they use like a contrasting tone or mood over a scenario that might be a lighthearted or or dramatic. And if the music's if the music's light when something's dark, that affects the picture in a really weird. It has a just a really strange effect. So you'd at least if you're paying attention to that type of thing, you'd you'd go into it and be like, well, maybe I'll try something that's not just gonna mimic the mood or I don't know. Yeah. Cause sometimes if you have a very, like a very intense scene doing, doing something really intense with the music over it does is not nearly as impactful as doing something very minimal or, or even like ambient potentially, you know, because the scene itself and the visual is already so, yeah. so in your face that you don't need to do that with the music as well. We also developed a lot of motifs and things and themes for different scenarios. And if you watch like Twin Peaks, 
or something. They they he manages to work those themes in like very like on the spot, like or manipulate them. And we were having we found it more. It, this show didn't didn't work in the same way that we could just have a theme for like a character, and then have that theme just keep reoccurring in that moment. That no, I mean that's very that's very very cool. I, I've never heard anyone make that point before, where there's uh, there's no point kind of overkilling a scene that's dramatic. Just throw some dramatic music at it as well. You don't need it. That's what the uh, you know that's what the scene's doing. And I've always thought that a good score or a good soundtrack is one you almost don't hear because it's just it's just a part of what's happening on the screen right right that's right. the yep. goal it's funny it's it's kind of a funny goal because the duffers came to us wanting wanting a soundtrack that people would be talking about they're like we want music to be a big part of the show but at the same time what you just said you don't want to you don't really want to notice it yeah the music needs to be bold, but we don't want anyone to notice it. But don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird because I've only watched the series through once, but I've listened to the school dozens of times. And each time a certain track comes on, it just instantly triggers a scene or a character. And, you know, I, I only watched each episode one time. You know, I will go back and revisit it because I think you can probably learn more about the show from repeat viewing there might be something you missed the first time but the score definitely does its job of being there you know being a great score but then listening to it outside of the show it's like huh oh yeah i do remember that in that scene or you know something like along those lines mm -hmm. do you guys plan on staying with uh composing can you see yourself doing more of it yes yep absolutely cool cool this is where i ask you about stranger things season two and uh <laughs> i know you guys i know you guys probably can't say any i mean i don't even know what there is but the show has been confirmed for a second season oh, um thought so are, are, has it are you yeah i've read that it's been confirmed for a second season um but i did read that on the internet so who knows how true that is i have definitely seen some headlines that are misleading oh. they say things like they say things like Duffer Brothers on season two of Stranger Things, and then it goes in, and you click. It's just clickbait, and then there's not confirmed. There's no confirmed second season, and it's very misleading. But I mean, there's I, there's also a quote from one of the Netflix executives that says, you know, it would be be foolish for us not to do not to do a second season at this point. So okay, let let me put it this way then: <laughs> if there's a second season of Stranger Things, would you guys love to do the soundtrack for it? Of course. Excellent. We, we are. <laughs> That's not confirmed. We're not confirming yeah. anything. Okay. Is there any, any other projects or any other genres that you guys would like to work in? Would you love to have a stab at, say, you know, a horror flick? Yeah. I, I think so, I think doing a, the score to a movie sounds really appealing right now because it's only an hour and a half instead <laughs> of eight hours. Um, yeah, we're definitely open to that. I would kind of like to do something that's like more of a, yeah. more of a drama and less... Just to not get pigeonholed into doing horror soundtracks, because I think our music can work in lots of different, lots of different types of films, and not just horror. Yeah, no, I completely get that. I mean, to go back to Steve Moore's score for The Guest, I mean, The Guest isn't strictly a horror film, but it could be right. viewed that way, because, I mean, some of the scenes in the film are quite horrific, but his score works really well within that context of, oh, I can imagine this being not just a horror film. This could be like a, an action film or there are some really dramatic scenes and his score is right. great in those scenes. Mm -hmm. 
Right. I'd like to do something, you know, I guess more of a drama or a thriller and just something contrasting like the Sorcerer soundtrack by Tangerine Dream. Oh, like yeah, the way that yeah. that. Yeah, that's a really good one. And how perfect that score is for a film that people are always like, Sorcerers, that movie's crazy. This song, like they're listening to the music, like the soundtrack out of context without ever seeing the movie. Hmm. Like, yeah, it's about like magic. Or, like, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, there's no magic in that movie. That movie is about transporting a bomb. Like, yeah, essentially. It's really, it's really basic. And the music makes it really intense or like, you know. That, yeah, that movie is great. It's so stressful. It really like, is. The music to, if you listen to like Cannibal Holocaust and you've never seen that movie, you would probably not think that. I mean, I love the undertone of that song, but it's kind of almost kind of like happy and pretty. Yeah. Like the melody and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's something that I, um, on my other soundtrack podcast that, that I do, there are tons of these like gross, gross cannibal movies that have these great disco tracks in them. And <laughs> yeah. it literally makes no sense. I'm thinking how, because I've not seen some of these films. I'm thinking, how is this? A part of you know, like the the Cannibal Ferox, like the opening scene is just this classic disco, like banging song. And I'm thinking, <laughs> yeah. how does this work? And then you see the movie, and it's just it's over a title sequence, and it's just what the composer came up with as you know, kind of the main theme. But yeah, some yeah. of this stuff is just insane. But you know, we get to listen to it and enjoy it now, and not have to see people being eaten. Yeah. <laughs> so what's actually next for you guys now? Are you getting the new? getting the new Survive record out and released and then going on tour. What's what's kind of... Are you guys taking a break after that? Oh, vacation sounds really nice, but I don't know if we're going to have time for that. Um, we, have, we have another Survive album that we'd like to work on um, and then potentially other projects. You know, we've, we've been in contact with people about about various projects, but we don't have anything on the on the books yet. Okay, well that's good. I mean, I would imagine that everything has gone crazy for you um, since this is. I mean, it's one of the reasons why we're speaking now. I mean, you guys press all the time. You're probably getting requests left, right, and center to compose this, that, and the other. So, uh, thank you for taking the time out of your day to talk to me today. It's been a lot of fun talking to you. Stranger Things: The Score is available now digitally, and CD and vinyl are TBA, but watch this space because they are coming very, very soon. So Michael, Kyle, thank you again, and I, I hope you get to have a rest soon. <laughs> Thanks. Thank I'm you. planning on it. It's nice talking. Thank you.